take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're meeting us in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that we're open to being with you, and maybe in a way we haven't been open before, but Lord, continue to meet us as we met you in praise and adoration, as we are meeting you now in your word, that it doesn't come back void, but we want your word to get deep down in our hearts, Lord, as we anticipate meeting you in the breaking of the bread and receiving you. Father, meet with us in such a way that we leave here changed as a result of it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All of us at some point in our life have competed in some kind of race. At some point we've competed. May not have always been for a trophy or, or a certain price, but it was absolutely definitely for bragging rights if you competed. And as kids, if you remember, spontaneously we would burst into these races. It'd be spontaneous. All of a sudden someone would say to you, I'll race you to the telephone pole. Or someone will say, I'll race you to the end of the fence. Or if you're in the city, I'll race you from sewer cap to sewer cap. And you would go back and forth. And there would be these spontaneous... It didn't matter that you might have been in your Sunday best, your school clothes. didn't matter. You were running. It's, it's on. Game on right now. Let's go. And you would run and you would compete against each other. And it, it's within us that we would want to do that. And, 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 and my children, when they were little, uh, for some reason, they didn't like bedtime. I'm not sure what that problem was. But they didn't understand it, or they didn't get it, or what it was, and, uh, and they didn't like to, to, to get ready to go to bed, and more my daughter than my son, and my daughter would just begin to freak out and lose her mind, like, you know, and one day my wife looked at her and she said, Trinity, every night is bedtime. She just kind of looked at her and was like, oh yeah. And she got it within that moment, like, oh yeah, every night, that's right, like, we're not going to have to keep doing this, every night is bedtime. And kind of like was this, all right, this is part of the routine. But what we had to do to get them to bed was basically manipulate them. And this is how we did it. We said, we're going to have a pajama race. And the pajama race was who could get changed the fastest. And, and adults were included. And you would go and you would run off. And we would race to get the pajamas on as fast as possible. And if you did not come back fully clothed, you were disqualified. You had to be wearing all, whether they were backwards, upside down, didn't matter. You just had to be wearing something. And, and we would have this, this competition to, to get them to do the next thing, which was to get ready for bed. And our, our humanity, it's amazing, in our human nature, as soon as something becomes competitive, everyone wants to win, regardless of the prize. Every one of us wants to be in that game or in that place. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the Apostle Paul was a big sports fan, major, major sports fan. He liked all the New York teams, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> He's a fan of them all. But he was a big sports fan. And so much so that he would use uh, athletic metaphors to illustrate spiritual truths. One like we read today, that he would use these metaphors in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 25. He says, do you not know that in a race the runners all compete? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive the perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable one. That he uses this analogy for us to understand. And the reason he does that, because the Corinthians would be familiar with something that was coming up every two years. They would have these Isthmian games. 
And those games would take place every two years. And, and, and that was the area where they would host this. And an event that was second to the Olympics, which they would have every four years. And this was a big deal in that area, and, and they would all participate. Families would come out. People would come all over to participate in these games. And probably when he was writing this, it was around the time of those games taking place. And they would all be uh, really familiar with what he was referencing. And the Corinthians were just these great lovers of sports and proud, proud of their great athletic games, proud of them. And the athletes who would win at the Isthmian Games would receive a crown for the winner. And the, the, the crown that they would receive, believe it or not, was basically made out of celery leaves and sewn together. And they would, they, those who were victorious and won in their event would, would put that crown on. And they would proudly wear it wherever they went. And they would, they would walk around and people would recognize that victory of what they were wearing based on that crown of celery leaves. And they would wear it until it perished. It was a perishable crown. No one enters a race to lose, especially if you work so hard to train to compete at the highest level. You don't, you don't enter that like, well, I, I, I hope I can win this thing. There's, there's a different understanding when you're going to compete at that level. And this metaphor that he uses about this race and understanding when you're competing at the highest level and how do we, how do we connect that with our spiritual walk and what does that look like for those who are competing at the highest level. Well, if you remember Michael Phelps, the American swimmer, he's the most decorated athlete in Olympic history. That... He won 28 medals, which includes 23 gold. He started swimming and competing in swimming at the age of six. And even then, he had goals to win. He was setting goals as notepads of him writing down his goals at six years old. Parents with six-year-olds turn to your children and say, what are you doing with your life? Let's go. Like that show Shark Tank that, that we watch, and uh, you know they'll have the young entrepreneurs that come on. I'll just turn to my kids and go, "You're failing. You're doing nothing with your life. Look at these kids. They're inventing things. They're coming up with great ideas." Six years old, he would start to train and prepare himself for what was going to lie ahead. But Phelps's training for the Olympics was this: it was 50 miles a week of swimming. It was six hours, six days a week of training. And to keep up with his rigorous workout, he would have to eat 12,000 calories a day. If he didn't, he would lose 15 to 20 pounds a week in his working out. Now, that's a machine. I don't know what you call that. But, that's, but that was the intensity. That was the understanding. And Paul says to us that run in such a way that you may win. Phelps trained in such a way that he may win. And we're called to run in such a way that we may win. And that athletes exercise self-control. That that self-control has something to do with running that race to win. And how important it is that we know that. Now here's self-control. I'll let you in on a little secret. You know what self-control is? It's control of oneself. It's real easy. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's evidence of Christ in your life when you have that. Self-control is command over desires and impulses. That's what self-control is. And, 
Years ago, many years ago, in auto dealerships, what they would do is if you would stumble upon an auto dealership and go in just looking for the possibility of the new car that's coming out, you would go in and the salesperson would meet you there and you'd start looking at this car that you probably can't afford, shouldn't buy, they still do that today, and you're sitting there and you're looking at it, but back then what they would do is hand you the key and tell you, take it home tonight and come back tomorrow and we'll talk about it. Because that, that there would be this impulse in that moment that, 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 that if I, and they knew if you brought that home, you were going to buy that car. Today they know if you go home with the car, you won't come back, and there's a, there's a difference. So don't let your desires lead your decisions. That's what he's talking about. And self-control gives you power over your impulses. That's what Paul's talking about. Self-control is about denying ourselves of that which keeps us from running the race. There's this denying ourselves so that we can compete at the highest level, that we can run the race that's set before us. And those things that so easily entangle us in our lives keep us from running in that race, keep us from competing. And it starts with that place of self-control. If we don't learn to rule our desires, our desires will rule us. And our desires will ruin us because we need that self-control. We need that fruit of the Spirit. We need to know that God's called us to something higher and something greater and something mightier. And Paul goes on in verse 26 and 27. He says, So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself shall not be disqualified. Now what you have to understand is we're not saved by running the race and winning. We run the race because we're saved. That's what he's calling us to do. and That's why we're competing at that highest level. That We don't run aimlessly or box as if we're beating the air. Do you know that if you run aimlessly or if you box at beating the air, that you actually use more energy, that, that it takes more energy to run aimlessly. It takes more energy to box at the air than landing a punch or having a destination of what you're aiming for. And he makes this distinction that we would understand that what we're aiming for. And, and our bodies can be presented to one of two things. Scripture tells us to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Well, our lives have a purpose. Our lives have a meaning. And God has something to do within our lives. And that's why Paul's saying, just like the Isthmian games, you got to train, you got to equip yourself. That it's not enough that you're just saying, I know Christ and I accept him as Lord. He's saying, you got to get in the game. He's saying, you got to compete at the highest level. That you got to participate in this. And our bodies are part of that. Our life of what we do right now is part of the God's kingdom plan and how it's used for his purpose. And our bodies can be presented of one of two things. It could be presented either to sin as an instrument of wickedness, or it could be presented to God as an instrument of righteousness. And what Paul is saying is, I want you to offer your lives as an instrument of righteousness. I want you to compete at this higher level. I want you to aim for the very thing that I'm calling you to aim for. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this to the disciples, For what is it profit a man if he gains the whole world and what, church? And loses his own soul. And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
What would you trade? What would you give up right now in exchange for your soul? What would you give up right now for an exchange of an eternal life with Christ? Well, people are doing it every single day, denying that truth. And it burned within Paul's heart that no one would miss that opportunity to know that truth. That just as the transfiguration took place in Christ, so too it would transform us. That we'd be these transformed people, these new creations. And that, that gospel message would burn in our hearts. A message that we would bring to others. So how do we present our lives to the Lord? Paul understood that a Christian life is like that of an athlete. That one who's prepared, that it's an instrument of righteousness. That we're to offer ourselves as that instrument of righteousness for God wants to do something mightier and greater right now in your life. That your life has meaning and purpose and value in things that God has in store for your life. So don't settle. Don't settle. He's saying run. Run the race that's set before you. And aim. And don't run aimlessly. Have you ever run aimlessly? Don't raise your hand. Someone back there is going, yep, yep, yep. I'm a runner. I run. It's how I decompress. It's how I get to eat things I want to eat. It's how I do the, get my spiritual life in order. And I can call myself a runner because I've been doing it for a long time. And, and I, I go and I run. And what I love to do is travel. And when I travel, I run in new places. I love running outside. It doesn't matter the weather. It doesn't matter anything because there's new experiences that take place. But I've never once opened a door or went to somewhere I didn't know and began running aimlessly. I've never began to just head to some direction and go, hope I find my way back. For me, it's easy. The goal, even if I don't know fully where that would land or I can't see the end of that destination, what I know is it depends on how far I'm going to go. Pretty much common sense. If I'm going to run four miles, I've got to run to two, turn around and run back. 2.5, 3, whatever that distance was, I'd set it before me and I would turn around and come back. But it was never aimlessly. And as Christians, we're not to live our lives aimlessly, that you have to aim at that greater prize and understand that. And our aim will take self-control. See, the goal of a Christian life is to glorify the Lord. That's the goal. That your life transformed will bring glory to the Father. And that we're glorifying him. And how do, we, how do we glorify him? By winning those who are lost and by equipping those who are brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's how we glorify God. So easy. My life brings him glory and then I win those around me with that truth of the gospel and, and I share that gospel message by loving them and having mercy and grace it's shown to me and having mercy and grace on them. And then for my brothers and sisters that we lock arms and that we run this race together that we're not alone. That the Lord says this, that I didn't call you to be spectators. I called you to be participators. That you're all elected. You're all part of this journey, this race that you're entering in. And have a part to play as you give honor and glory to God. See, we cannot glorify the Lord or save our others unless we're willing to take control of ourselves. That's where it begins. Sigmund Freud said this, Psychoanalysis is learnt first of all on oneself through the study of one's own personality. The Greeks declared that the first rule of life is know thyself. I think the one who's put it best is the rapper Ice-T who said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
Ice Cube. I keep saying Ice T. I got to get these things straight. Ice Cube said that. Don't look up the rest of the words of that song, by the way. But check yourself. What a great theological statement for us. That's what Paul is saying to the disciples and the apostles and those around him. Check yourself. That you can have that self-control. That, that you're going to be able to discipline yourself in such a way that you can compete. That you can run this race. And we can't serve others until we have taken charge of ourselves. That we cannot teach what we don't know. We cannot bring others to Christ until ourselves are found in Christ. And Paul's saying, find yourself in that relationship and begin to run that race. You are all Christian athletes. All of you. All of us are Christian athletes. And we're preparing for this race that lies ahead of us. And that race to run starts with a place of self-control. So when the enemy tells you you don't have self-control, say, no, I have control of myself because God gives me grace to have control in those areas. That I'll be willing to sacrifice in ways that I couldn't sacrifice because God will give me grace to make those sacrifices but that God has entered me into this place. And that we're all competing. And that we're going to have this inner strength that the Lord gives as a result. Now there's rewards that come from self-control. Here's the rewards of self-control. That inner strength, uh, a godly character that he'll call you to, the ability to withstand temptation as a result of it. You'll have a purpose, and a purpose means you know what you're aiming at. A purpose is I know the direction I'm going. I know where I'm headed to glory. I understand that, that my life will glorify God, that, that I will help those who are lost come to that understanding of who he is, that I will build up those around me. I have a purpose in my life, that you have courage to face your fears as a result of it. When you have that self-control, that courage comes. And ultimately there's perseverance to achieve the goals that the Lord has set before you. Being a Christian athlete is a life of intrinsic value. And it gives you the ability to be a contender. What I want you to hear today is say to yourself, I'm a contender. I'm going to compete. That I'm, I'm, I'm not a spectator, but I'm a participator, and I'm in this. And I'm not watching from the stands, I'm on the field. And God's called me to that place to be on that field, that my life will give glory to him, and I'll bring that glory into others. That he sees me as this one who's valued, with incredible value. Do you know how much he values you? He values so much he died for you. That's a lot of value. And he's bringing that to us, that we should understand that. And what does that crown represent? Well, there's an imperishable crown. And the imperishable crown that awaits us is a crown of joy, is a crown of righteousness, it's a crown of life, and it's a crown of glory. The Lord has prepared us for such a time as this, as right now. So what we have to do is put on self-control, and you have to run, 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 run the race of life that God has set before you, but know that you're not running alone, but that we run together. And as we run together, we'll see him be victorious in our lives and to those lives around us. Now, we're coming up on Lent. What a great time to begin to reflect on how I can run that race. And we're going to have a sermon series, and it's going to be the five habits of every disciple. And what I'm going to encourage you is during Lent that you'll begin to look at these different ways or habits that you could begin to put more of in your life with that self-control so that we can prepare ourselves for God's greater purpose and plans. Amen? Let's pray.
Father, we know that you bring us to that race and you call us all to compete and that we all, Father, have a role to play. Maybe, Father, with things in life, we know you, but we've, we've let those barriers come and they've distanced us to compete. Or maybe, Lord, we just haven't made that decision and we have to surrender our own control for your control to come into our life, to ask you into our heart. And I don't know where your heart's at, but I know that to understand the gospel message, we have to allow him into our hearts so we can be transformed and changed in the likeness of who he is, so we can bring glory to God. It starts with a relationship that he desires to have with each of us. So whether you need to renew that right now and just begin to make a new commitment with him and renew your life within him in this moment, or you need to come to him in this moment and know his love for you so you could be transformed into the likeness of God with a promise of the crown that waits for you that's not perishable. I just want to give you a chance to pray with me. If you'd like to pray with me, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me and you're watching online or you're in person right now, the most important thing you could do is let us know. And why is that important? Because we're committed to help you run the race. We're committed for that pathway of discipleship, for your life and God's plan. So please let us know. You can check on a box right now that says it on our, our, our campus, or you can send us an email, or on your way out, you can let one of the hosts know, and we'll get you some more information. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you.